stinky. And welcome to a Friday. Man, the year is just ticking by. It is absolutely amazing, but it's great to be here. Welcome to you, my son. 10 weeks left. Welcome back to another Noodleberg Daily Huddle. And uh, yeah, 10 weeks left. And the only word we're thinking about is finish. So you, you shared that with the team, and we are wrapping every single thought around finish. You know, it doesn't matter how you started. What they remember is how you finish. So it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, for me, it goes back to winter conditioning, right? And we knew that winter conditioning, which happens in January and February and March prior to <laughs> spring football, you do all of these conditioning drills, these physical conditioning drills. And the thing that you always stressed in every drill was how they finish the rep. Right. It wasn't necessarily that you did a great job in the beginning or in the middle, but how did you finish the rep? Did you finish it head down full speed across the line and you were putting in the fundamentals of the foundation of what the team was going to be based on right then and there? And so that the, the concept of finish, screaming finish and making sure that whatever it is, you finish it the right way is important so we're we're, we're finishing it, this year that i found it super inspiring knowing that we're going into the stretch run we did yeah. calendar we did you know our event schedule we know what needs to be done we, we could easily take our foot off the gas because we've done what we said we would do last year um which is kind of rewarding in and of itself but that's not enough Got some shout outs for some people here. Good morning to D Robinson. Good to see you. Good morning. Th good morning to Jonathan Aaron's who is not related to our guest today. David Aaron's because they, they spell the name differently, although it is pronounced the same way. And good morning, Jason Boone. Good morning, Jason Boone. Recognize the polo today. Go Knowles. We got a game Saturday night against Duke. So let's You'd have to think that when they were getting off the boat, they were next to each other, and one went, Errands. Anyway, good stuff. D is here because she's a fellow Cincinnatian. That's right. So That's she right. is. She and David know each other really well. Super excited about this segment, as always. Um, I love the randomness of life, and you will hear a fantastic story of how uh, David Aarons and I um, and the boys met, but... There are certain people in your life that when they show up, you know you're meeting somebody special, number one. Number two is regardless of any business thing, you're going to be friends for life, man. And that's, for me, it's been the charm of the business I've been in. This is one of those dudes, not going to waste any other time because you will see uh, we'll need more oxygen. Um, <laughs> Shay, let's wake it up. Let's do walk-up music and bring on Mr. David Harris. Come on, come on. Wake up, turn your body. Sweet 
That the truth, well, everybody crazy about a sharp dressed man, and there is a sharp dressed man. Welcome to the Daily Huddle, David Aarons. Well, thank you, my bald friend. It's good to see you again. <laughs> you, you, are, you are equal to, if not greater, in energy and style. I'm so thrilled for you to be here. We've done um, a podcast together. We did my Tell Me Something Good, but I would love for, for you to share like who you are, what you do, who you do it with, and then lead that to how we met because this is the, the fruit. Okay. All right. So the, uh, the elevator pitch is I, I've been running an architecture firm based in Cincinnati, Ohio for about 21 years as a CEO. And I'm the, the owner of the company and, and uh, just love what I do. But um, uh, we're an architecture firm. We work nationally and we work with a lot of major clients. And, and uh, that's pretty much what I do. And I love what I do and I do it every day. And I get up early every morning and and uh, rinse and repeat and really focus on the strategy and long-term 10-year vision of where we're trying to go. But you, so you want to tell the story about I how I met this guy? You, you live yeah, that yeah. for a fact. I mean, I you know. Gotta, you got to share the story about how yeah. the connection happened. Okay. So um, uh, not that I'm necessarily proud of this, but I got almost 200,000 air miles already this year. And so as a result of that, I always get bumped. And, um, and I'm a Delta guy. And so it was actually almost three years ago that uh, we first met. And I had to just look that up to see because I lose track of time. But but uh, I knew I, was, I don't know what flight I was on. I don't know where I was going. Um, maybe I was going home. I don't know. But but I knew I got bumped. And I usually, because of my algorithm, get stuck in seat 1C. I love sitting on that first seat on the left when you board the plane. And so I knew I got bumped. I boarded the plane. And there's this schmuck sitting in my seat with a really cool sport coat. And it happened to be this guy. And um, so we're, I, I board and I go sit, you know, three or four rows back because he's in my seat and uh, the boys were with him and making quite a ruckus. And uh, anyway, so long story short, I got on my phone, I'm going through my emails and all this other stuff. And, and I go to LinkedIn and the first news feed on LinkedIn is this guy wearing that same sport coat. And I'm not even connected to him, which is, I'm talking to Steve, if you're not following that. And um, so anyway, I asked to be connected with him and, and uh, he did not that right away. But the next morning he texted me and said, how do we get to know each other? And why, why would you want to be connected with me? And I told him the story, and that was kind of the start of all of it. So I kind of uh, put the whole um, initiative with Steve on hold for a while because I was busy and other things got in the way. But, but about six or eight months later, I was down in Palm Beach with my, with my wife, and I knew that you were there. So we met for lunch and really kind of started our relationship. And, and so it went from professional to personal and, and is both still. And, and uh, he's just taught me a lot about, about how to use uh, the primary tool of LinkedIn, which I, uh, I post, you know, usually one or two times a day. So, but what a great story about the power of LinkedIn. I mean, just if, if, if there's not another takeaway from today's show, it's just the power of connectivity and the way that that one tool can connect you to the right person or a person that can just change the trajectory or bring you some value, bring you a friendship. Like it doesn't get any better than that. I don't think yeah. that's all. So, so, so my was, question, yeah, my question ahead. for you to share with the audience, because we do like to get into the meat and potatoes is, you know, a lot of CEOs question where they should be positioned. Should they be sharing their brand more than the company brand? So you had to unpack a lot of that. I did. I did. If you can yeah, so, you know, I think 
helpful. When you look at when you look at all this, um, so whether it's using LinkedIn as a tool or anything else, I think you have to be relevant and you have to be present. And so present is about the frequency and then relevant is the story. And I think one of the things that that you taught me, Steve, was um, uh, and I was one of the things I was hesitant about is was putting a picture of myself out there uh, when I was put when I was sharing a message, a business, a business message or business, business learning. I wanted to just somebody and because um, that typically is not my style to do that. But um, you you kind of gave me the courage and, and incentive to say you need to do that. And actually, I think it worked. And so, um, and I know you do that with part of your your presentation when you, when you put messaging out. So I think being relevant and present is important. Um, you know, not having any picture at all is not good. Um, I've also evolved into including others in that. So if I've got a, a person that inspires me that I see, I will do an interview with them or something like that. And that's been hugely valuable, not just to the message I'm trying to convey, also to them. And it's very respectful and rewarding for them as well. So, um, it's just been a, it's been a great tool. And I've, I've had many people now, um, uh, this is kind of embarrassing. It's like, Hey, you're that LinkedIn guy. I don't even know these people. You're that LinkedIn guy. And that's not why I'm doing it. Um, uh, I do it because I think after 40 years of doing this as an architect, I think I've got some stories and messages and learnings that I can share with people. And so whether it's things that I've learned either the good way or the hard way, or whether it's things that I observe in the, in the business world, sharing those ideas and, and things to help other people be better is really what I, I find value in. And in so doing, it also creates value for our company. Ah. And it says that we're doing things. So that's the connection. Yeah, I want to I want to dig in on that a little bit because you, you've been a business owner for a really long time and marketing is an essential aspect to business, right? And I would assume that you have traditionally marketed the company prior to building your own brand on LinkedIn and now using your own brand as a marketing tool for the business. How has it changed your strategy? How has it affected the way you go about marketing the business? What's evolved because of your personal brand? I think it's just another tool. I mean, we we are a, we are. It's not. This is not a David Aaron's business. It doesn't have my name on it for that purpose. Um, you know, we're CR Architecture Plus Design, so it is a company. It's about the we. But everybody in the in the company has an ability to do what I'm doing and, and whatever scale they're capable of doing. And and you know, and I don't know how many people that are listening to this know who know architects or engineers or. I would include doctors and lawyers and it tend to be more introverted personalities than extroverted personality types because they're very technically trained. And, and I think uh, these are easy tools to use. If you're one of those types that might be, uh, might be a little shy, you can, you can do that and still put yourself out there and, uh, and be, and be relevant and present. Uh, back have that, you that encouraged, have you encouraged your team to follow your lead in becoming centers of influence inside of their networks and branding themselves to help the architecture firm? Yes, but uh, we're back to that shy personality type again. So they might do one or two and then they, and they go and hide in the corner again. So, um, but, but you have to have that, again, that, that present and the, and the repetitiveness of it um, is really what it's about. And I think that, you know, we do it in other ways too. It's not just LinkedIn. LinkedIn is one of the tools we use at CR. So whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, direct client engagement face to face or whether it's direct mail campaigns or email blasts or things like that, we'll do a number of different tools. But LinkedIn is one of them. But one, it's the one for me that has probably been the most um, rapid change in, in terms of reward and, and, and value back um, in terms of how we do that. So, awesome. so here's an interesting, you know, sort of uh, let's play tennis. I'll volley it back to you. I don't see you as an introverted person. Oh, I'm not. No. <laughs> no, no. You're, 
you know, I should have never been an architect. Right. So, you know, the, you know, the Zach go together. But w- one of the things I learned about you early on was your passion for philanthropy. I mean, you are majorly involved. I mean, a big portion of your time, your treasure, your, you know, talents goes to. So we believe in that as a corporate culture. Share with us, um, you know, your philosophy and how you've used LinkedIn to execute that. So I think I think anybody who's in leadership or ownership position in business, part of your responsibility is not just internally focused in terms of your business success, but you've got to be able to give back to the community. That's that's essential to being successful, is is giving back, and and it's really up to that company or that individual to determine where their interests are best best focused. Um, but about 11 years ago, I was asked to get involved with the American Cancer Society. And I, I knew what it was, but I really was not involved with it. And it was a, a key business leader here in town that, that pulled me in and said, uh, we just don't want you to be involved. We want you to run this thing. And so not that I can talk for hours about this, but that's evolved into me being on, a, on the board of the American Cancer Society and being involved with a number of other areas. Um, my wife and I love to spend time down in Charleston, South Carolina. So now I'm involved with that, that community down there with the American Cancer Society. And and uh, so it's all about, um, for me, it's not just about the mission and purpose of that organization and our company giving back, but it's also, it's also about winning. And so whether it's winning in business or winning in, in a charity uh, function, you know, so one of the things I'm very proud of um, that we've done here locally in Cincinnati is that 11 years ago when I was asked to get involved, it was to run the uh, Cincinnati Golf Classic, which is an annual fundraiser. And at that time, we were doing about $100,000 in revenue per year on that day of golf. And uh, last year, we just finished this year's season $815,000 in revenue for a day of golf. And and next year, next year is planning on being a million. Um, uh, one of the, so that that has evolved into me then kind of providing strategic oversight for a number of other gouts uh, in the Midwest. Uh, being on the area board, um, then now in Charleston, I'm on the executive leadership council down there where um, I've got um, actually a, a shameless plug. If anybody's in the Charleston, South Carolina area on November 19th, which is a Sunday night, I'll be the master of ceremonies for a thing called Shuck Cancer, which is a oyster roast fundraiser um, at one of the, the notable places uh, on your Folly Beach. And so we already have, I think, 350 people attending that. And we hope to have more. So if you're in the area, feel free to come down and you can Google Shuck Cancer if you want. But the cool part of that, back to the winning, is that we've got a, a two million dollar match grant from the Schultz Family Foundation, which is the founder of Best Buy, and so we're already at I think close to one point two million, I think, and we have to have that by the end of the year. But this event will help hopefully put us over the top, and we will have two million dollars extra from fundraising. So that would be that'd be great. That's like well uh, done. Congratulations, legacy, yeah. legacy type stuff. Mark, do you have a question? Because I can talk to him all day. Well, I mean, just you, you hit on American cancer. So it's, you know, I want to take the time to say next week is our Women's Power Summit, which supports the American Cancer Society and the fight Great. against cancer. We've got a ton of women. Would love to have you here next year for it. I'm sure next week is too quick of a turnaround to have you here for that. But because yeah. of what you do, if there's a way that we can marry the cancer societies together from Cincinnati to South Florida and do something joint, that would be an absolute blast. So we just certainly great. can introduce him to AK. Uh, right. Like there's just, there's a lot of stuff that we should do together. So I had no idea that you were that heavily involved with American cancer. Um, so it's good to know, but so I would say, and it it also is, it's a great way to meet great people. And that's where, you know, back to the business side, you don't go into that 
to generate revenue for your firm, but people work with people they like, trust, and respect. And by getting involved like that, you start to get to know who people are. And you can either like, trust, and respect them or not. But but that's how you choose to work with people. So I, I absolutely love it. Um, so so can you give us a little bit of a of a behind the scenes look into how you got into architecture, how you became how you decided to run your own architecture firm? And what's kind of been your secret sauce or the secret ingredient to you being so successful over those years? So, Mark, we only have 20 minutes, so I'm not sure I'll be able to start. But, <laughs> Give us the um, Cliff Notes version. But, you know, Cliff Notes, I, I had a goal when I was nine years old to be an architect. Uh, I also had a goal after I got into it to have to start on and start my own firm. And I think that is the key, the summary, the going to the end of the story here, the summary for any kind of success in life, whether it's personal or professional, is you've got to have a goal. Put a target on the wall and say, this is what I want to buy when. And then you solve for the barriers. What's preventing you from doing that? But it kills me when I see so many people that have a goal, either personal or professional, that don't focus on the barriers. And then they sit there a year, a year later or a decade later saying, why didn't that happen? And so you've got to constantly back to that cadence. Um, you've got to constantly say, that's where I want to be by when this is what's preventing you from doing it and solve for the solve for the barrier. And um, when you don't do that, you know, you really have nobody to blame but yourself, you know, whether it's business or personal. So I think, you know, um, being focused on those kind of things is really what you've got to do. And you've got to you've got to meter it as you go. So, you know, take it in bite sized pieces, but never lose sight of that goal that's on the wall. A target that's on the wall saying, this is what I want to do by when. So no surprise that you sound very process driven, right? Your engineer architecture that just comes with the DNA of that industry. But it sounds to me like you also have a process to how you problem solve, right? You have a process to how you go about achieving a goal in terms of put it on the wall, find the barriers, now solve for those barriers. What is the problem solving process look like? So we, um, uh, not to sound like it's an advertisement here, but about eight or nine years ago through my business group, I was introduced to the process called EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, which is no different than I think what we were doing at E, but it legitimized and kind of packaged the thinking process about how we run our business. And and so we are an EOS company. If you're not familiar with what those are, I'd recommend people look at it. But it, it just, it's very simple about defining goals, defining a cadence, defining you know financial goals and how you measure that on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, uh, making sure everybody's in the right, pe- right seat, uh, right people, right seat is another acronym they use. Um, so those are all part of the things of what we do in terms of how we do it. Uh, and then, you know, from my perspective and my role, which, you know, my what's on the org chart in terms of my title, my responsibility is big ideas, big relationship and culture. And so I don't I don't get involved with the day to day of the projects we do. And I mean, if there's an issue or challenge, I will. But but um, but it's more about focusing on the on the three and 10 year strategy about where we're going to be and focusing on that. And and uh, I know sometimes drives our team nuts because you know they're saying, what the fuck's he thinking about now? Sorry, you got to bleep that out. But but I need a 10 second delay always. But um but it's, it's all about that. And so it's, it's not brain surgery guys. It's, it's business is simple, but I think most business owners make it difficult Mm. um, and you make it too complex. And, and uh, so um, part of what helps me is I get a lot of advice and counsel from 
an outside board of advisors. I get advice and counsel from my Vistage group, which is the CEO group if people are not familiar with that. Um, and that really helps drive me and to stay on target and not get sucked in the weeds and, and people that are not afraid to tell me that I'm being a jerk about something. So so I, I love big ideas, big rela- or big relationships. I think those probably feed each other. You talked about developing relationships through LinkedIn. You talked about your Vistage group for relationships. Uh, ideas would come from that, I would assume, and then you go implement. I want to kind of dig in on culture maybe for the last question or, or as we have a few more minutes here. How do you define culture and how do you cultivate culture? Because I know as a football coach, it was the thing that made us successful or kept us from being successful. How do you, in your architecture firm, define culture and cultivate it as the leader of the group? You keep asking questions that take two hours, not 20 minutes. So, um, so I'll bring him to lunch when you're down here. <laughs> so in its most basic sense, culture is the way things are done at that company, whatever it is. And so I sometimes refer to it as the stink. When you walk into a business, you kind of know whether you got a good vibe or not. And, and so I've spent a lot of time studying high performing cultures in other industries. And there's the, the foundation of all of it. It's not about the foosball table and the, and the beer cake. That's not what culture is. A lot of people think it is. And the Christmas party. Um, it starts with the founding core values. That's a common common theme when you see high-performing cultures. So you've got to constantly reinforce that. And the leadership must demonstrate that all the time. But you have to take it further. And you have to, so we have four core values, integrity, passion, collaboration, and innovation. Um, you have to then define those by defining the behaviors at that company. Okay, that's the next thing. So behaviors then support that culture. Because if I said collaboration to you, Mark, you might have a totally different different definition for that than what we do at CR. So you've got to do that. And then you've got to ritualize that by celebrating the successes of people that are performing that. And then and then beyond that, we have so there's this process, this tier thing. And then beyond that, there's what we call the seven pillars that that are the things that that port that through these rituals. So it is the events. So we yeah, we do have a Christmas party. And yeah, we do call it Christmas. Um, we, we do have, you know, how do you want to be communicated with? How do you want to be um, uh, um, recognized? How are we involved with the community? How do we give back? So all those pillars then become of a, a, a mechanism for when we can then we can we can um, execute that and it works back upstream. Um, you know you've got a high-performing culture when that flywheel kicks in and at the bottom of the culture, uh, notice at the bottom, I mean the people that might be in the starting their career as part of your org structure, um, they then start demonstrating that back up. So, but it, if the if the leadership is not demonstrating that, then the whole thing goes to hell. And and you know, to, be, to be perfectly honest, and Steve knows the story, we had, we had some setbacks here with our company with some culture. We had some bad leadership um, that, that, that um, that fractured our culture, I'll say, and 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 uh, and that is a process that you rebuild. But I'm a huge fan of Peter Drucker and his famous quote of you know culture eats strategy for lunch, is absolutely true. And and so whether it's a football team that you ran or whether it's an architecture firm or a consulting agency, you know you you've got to make sure you focus on culture because you can have the best business strategy, but you have the right culture and people align behind it, you're not you're not going to win the game. One so question. I want to jump in. I, I want to jump in there. And, and Shay, give me some overtime, if you will, please. And we'll go to overtime. You're, you're worth it. And it's an honor to, to be. Up. So when we talk about culture, I've always said this. Fish stinks from the head down. So it's to start with you. You and I worked together during that downtime. And 
the way you held yourself in what most people would consider a shitstorm was really admirable for me. And I, and I want well, people to know that. It was difficult to recruit. It was difficult to grow. It was difficult to show up every day because your, your business is not in Cincinnati. You're, you have offices or however many offices you have in multiple cities with multiple people. It's not like you can wave a wand and, and move, turn the ship. So I want you to own to everybody here because you are recruiting still. You've yeah. done a great job of recruiting. The culture is an amoeba, man. It changes, man. You got to be able to go with it. You got to stick to if you if you believe in that and that is the foundation of what you're trying to do, then you got to stick to that and continually back to that cadence. You know, you got to continually preach it. And and uh, you know, one of the things that that I do and it takes a, a significant amount of my time is that you know our an architecture firm is in the relationship business. You know, yeah, we we design buildings and we produce documents to build the buildings, but um, but it was a people business. And so one of the things that is important to me back to the, the big relationships is I interview everybody that comes in the door and it's about culture. So whether you're um, starting your career or whether you're the receptionist or whether you're a senior leader, um, I meet with everybody that comes through the door and, and I look at it um, from the standpoint of, can that person represent this firm? Can they play well with others? Can I, can they be in front of a client representing who we are and can teach skills they may not have, but, Frankly, if they're jackass, I can't change that. And That's and awesome. so, awesome. Um, so sometimes I call it the asshole interview. But and but they're looking at us the same way, you know. And and so it is. It's a two way street. It's a 50-50 deal where I've got to sell them as much as they've got to sell 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 us. You know, and so uh, that's really what we do. And and so um, it, it is is it about the people business. And and you know everybody out there, all of our clients have choices of who they choose to want to work with. Just like we have choices about who we choose to hire for our consultant team, whether it's our lawyers or our accounting firm or whatever. And it all gets back to that trust and partnership that you have, and the willingness and ability to to pick up the phone and have a conversation, have people have an honest conversation with you. But that's that's one of the biggest challenges we have is that in our industry, you know, back to that that introvertedness. I mean, we've, we've got a lot of folks that are really good at what they do um, as architects and our industry is full of those people. But if you can't communicate what you're going to do and, and build that trusted relationship, that's where you sometimes fall down. So you have nailed the culture conversation on the head. My only question for you is, are you using video internally as a communication tool to drive home the behaviors and the culture that you're talking about. I, I, I don't, I, I sometimes get accused of scaring people unintentionally in our, on our team because I go too fast for them. But so there was a point where I was, you know, if it was your birthday, I would just do a quick video and say, happy birthday, Steve. And, <laughs> and they thought it was spam or something. They're calling the IT people saying, you know, what, what's going on, you know? And um, so it, I, I don't do it as much as I probably could and should, but, but um, you got to you got to pick your battles in the in the 12 hours that you've got every day. And, and I love I'd it. like to do it more. So for everybody yeah. listening today, please check out David. Uh, he's you know very active on LinkedIn. You will see a lot of who he is and what he does. He works. The team works on very exciting projects. Big names, buildings in all over the country are, are being built by. Uh, you know, designed by their firm. Uh, David, thank you for spending the time. Um, one of the best guests we've had because literally every minute you kept dropping nuggets and uh, 
you know, we keep scores. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys. Have a great week. It's been fun. Wonderful job. You as well. Thank you, David. Everybody have a great weekend. Don't forget the Knowles are on this weekend. Enjoy some football. Enjoy some time. We will see you on Monday. Let's get down to business. Please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart speak. Friends keep telling me to leave this. So let's get down, let's get down to business.